take 43. Mark? Hey everyone, welcome back to the Take 43 Podcast, episode 11. My name is Drew Williams. And I am Aaron Colborn. What's up, Aaron? How are you? What happened to the first 42 takes? Just curious. Yeah, so the first 42 takes, I think... uh, you could say was was spent trying to figure out the best way to say what we need to say next. And that's it. You know, we're, we're a video production podcast for sure, but we're also citizens and members of, you know, the human race. And we think that we can't in good conscience continue on without talking about, you know, the changes that are happening in the United States and around the world right now at 43 productions and at take 43, we believe that black lives matter. And as Americans, we all have the duty to stand up to and speak out about systemic racism that affects our black neighbors, our friends, coworkers, brothers, sisters, and honestly, even our perfect strangers. Uh, you know, it's a human rights issue, and we believe that all people deserve equal treatment under the law and the right to live and be prosperous. Because, you know, like in the end, I mean, that's a lot of what this podcast is about is how are we able to be prosperous? And everybody, yep. uh, everybody deserves to have the freedom and the right to be prosperous on their own terms without um, without oppression. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's really important for us to, you know, even... In, in, in every regard, it shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be limited to talking about this just because your specialty lies in another thing. Like this is about people. It's about humans. It's about, you know, everybody that's around us. And we're all in this together. So absolutely. Yeah. Totally agree with that. This show is about uh, spreading the love of our craft and making sure that everyone is on even playing fields. And if they have questions, we can answer them. If we have questions, someone else can answer them. And this is mm-hmm. uh, this is the start of something big. And I, and I am happy to see uh, our friends standing up for what is right. Agreed. And like, it doesn't, you know, we're all here because of our mutual love for video or film or whatever. And like, it doesn't matter what color your skin is. Like we all love it for the same reasons. You know, Aaron, today I want to go over visual style. You know, visual style is something that develops. It tends to develop over time as you stay in the industry for a while. If you could define in three separate words, my visual style, that would be it. And I'll do it for you as well. Okay, cool. Um, that, that'd be a fun way to kind of kick this thing off. And I can tell you how maybe I got there and, and some of the yeah. things that you can do in production to to find those those styles for yourself. Totally. Yeah. So I'll, I'll describe I'll describe your visual style in three words. But then I'd also like to hear uh, how like maybe how you would describe your visual style. Right. Because, okay. And I, and I think that's interesting. You know, the the appearance to me as opposed to like maybe your intent or what you think the appearance is like. I think that could just be a uh, fun. So I'll, I'll say this. I think. Your style, I would definitely describe as precise, clean, and colorful. Um, I feel like you always have everything framed very deliberately. Um, like you don't, you don't have messy frames. Things aren't cluttered. Uh, everything seems to kind of have its place. Especially like I think about your drone work a lot. Like the the moves that are on your drone work are very, very deliberate and very precise. And you know, I think about like uh, some of the technology stuff we've shot together. It's very clean, right? Like lots of like hard lines, yeah, um, brightness, and lots of good contrast stuff like that. But then also colorful. Like you love color. I mean, our whole like obsession with kind of eighties, nineties, like neon stuff. Yeah, I mean, says everything. I mean, I'm looking right now on on a background, and you got you know you have your uh, your pink and purple lights behind you. Like you love color. You love to put like bold color into your into your visuals, and I think that's rad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say that yes, I would agree with you, and those are some of the key things that I've tried to implement into my production process. Obviously, the color comes with uh, really loving and having the ease of use of Lytra lights, having the filters, right. and then having the new studio light where it's RGBWW. I have that control at my fingertips now. 
But going back to um, what you said with the drone work and, and some of the framing, first off, I'm really glad that comes across that way because that is something that I do take pride in. Even if you, I'm shooting on an iPhone like a photo, I'm making sure there's right. lines, composition lines there. I'm just kind of going over those you know, three basic lines and those steps that we've learned back in the day of how to f fill the frame in the yeah. best way, always giving the eyes room to look, things like that. I also like to switch that up now and again and then, you know, implement some other creative processes. So maybe not giving them room to look. And sometimes that right. comes off kind of awkward, but it's not, I'm not doing it because it's wrong. I'm doing it because I wanted to be different, right? It's, it's fun. Yeah. It's totally fun to do stuff that's like, yeah, kind of the opposite of, of your normal uh, feelings on stuff, just to kind of see what it does. Yeah, exactly. It's just fun to experiment. And that's, you know, creativity is super subjective. We've said that multiple times on this podcast. So sure. it's fun to get a reaction and see if it works. And if it doesn't, then you can try it again next time. Awesome. I'm glad that that came across with composition. As far as the drone stuff, super excited to announce to divert really quick that I won a gold telly for the 2020 uh, telly awards yeah, you for did. my drone my reel. man. Yeah. So the yeah. drone reel, I released that in 2019. I submitted it this year for the Tele Awards, and I received gold in the Craft Aerial Cinematography non-broadcast, so I'm super excited to to brag about that. Yeah, dude, that's dope. I mean, that's cool. Like, I mean, I have a Tele too, but mine's only like a bronze, so right. instantly you, you're a cooler person than me. Well, yeah, and then, but I mean, you guys submitted a bunch of work that year, and you guys won a couple of different things as well. You were a senior editor, but to be from the pilot to the post-production processor to uh, sending it in and paying for it myself, you know, right. um, that was, that was a pretty big accomplishment. I was really excited about. Yeah, man. That, I mean, th yeah, that's no joke. Like a lot of people do drone stuff. I mean, like yeah. you see it all over the place anymore. And so for you to, to come out on, on top like that, it's what I've always said. I've always been a huge, huge believer in your drone work. I, I always thought that yours is the best that I've ever like personally seen or worked with. So nice. Um, to totally, totally warranted. Very cool. I appreciate that. And I think uh, looping this back into the creative uh, visual uh, style is something I did with my drone right when I first got it was I built out a, a system inside of the color profile that works for me and it works mm -hmm. in under different mm -hmm. settings. So I know when you would take it sometimes to the editing room, you would have a lot of freedom to tweak colors and yeah. that has a lot to do with your visual style. And that's why I'm talking about this is because now you can use D-Log on and Cine like D and things from DJI that they've programmed. But earlier in the right. drone days, they didn't have that. So I would just make a flat profile. It gives you a little bit of creative freedom to be able to color it differently um, as an editor. And with that mixed in with sound effects and the good music... Uh, it creates a very compelling story just by drone work. You know, normally you need drones for Agreed. fillers and wides and establishings, but um, the reel really was able to so take a lot of groundwork and and sounds and sights and things like that and be able to implement those into uh, something much greater, that being a story. And then you said color, um, and that just ties into that as well. I'm a huge believer in color. I've downloaded many LUTs and I'll, I'll tweak LUTs and um, I've purchased LUT packs. Love having a nice moody frame. Uh, yeah. And that, again, that's something that you might not realize until later, though, is, is your visual style that might come completely later. Yeah, I t totally agree. I mean, not, not to diverge into mind just yet because you haven't described it, but like, you know, starting out my my first feeling and stuff was like, I really like kind of like the very grungy look, like the kind of dirty, you know, handheld sort of look. And I never would have thought back then, you know, when I was, you know, 20 years old or whatever, that bright neon colors would be a thing that I would like to see in yeah. in my stuff so much and like our and our plan for our next next film is very 
very, very colorful. And so over time, feelings and opinions change on that stuff. Yeah. And I think you're, and it's, uh, has a lot to do with your influence, right? Um, it's a lot of what you're watching. And I know we've talked about, uh, drive a lot. I know we love the midnight, the band, the midnight, uh, and they are Mm -hmm. huge fans of the eighties. Clearly they were eighties kids because that's all about all they sing about and how all of their artwork looks. It's very, very stranger things looking. I think that had a lot to do with my influence as well with stranger things, Uh, you know, just having the technology now at our fingertips to be able to bring that into the field is really big. I, I was able to test that on the last music video I shot two weeks ago with Robot Dream, and uh, we went into that old arcade and we used a lot of different colored neon lights with yeah, the yeah. RGBWW Lytra Studio light. And it's a very, it was a very nice testing field for what we're going to do for Jump Seat. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited to see. You, you sent me some stills from it. I'm super excited to see the footage from it. It's I actually kind of, for the amount of time we used to shoot it um, and the planning that I did, I'm actually very, very, very impressed on how it turned out. I'm really stoked. Cool. Uh, it's cool. still awesome. it's still in the editing room. I need a bigger monitor. I'm, I'm on the road right now, and uh, I need a bigger monitor to be able to cut it just because I have multiple tracks. Totally. Like, all synced up. So anyways, that's uh, we're, we're digressing a little bit. But I think that visual style, it comes natural. It's not something that you can think about while you're on set. Now there are styles and things that you can implement, but that final result is always going to come later after it's in the post-production or most of us already know right. that. But I guess my point is is tell the story the best you can and the most natural way possible and then let that visual and creative style kind of kind of mold itself after you've told the story well. If you're good at totally. camera operating and you are good at lighting, you can really help create the visual style, but all of that really comes later down the road and in a big chunk of work, right? You can't make one piece and say, okay, this is my creative style. This is my visual style. You need to right, take yeah. a Yeah. You need to work for three yeah. or four years, take a step back and then analyze everything that you've done and then see if there's some similarities in there. Totally. And it all comes from, I mean, I think, you know, initially when you start doing this kind of thing, you, you, you work from the gut, right? Like you think yeah. this is how I, I think things look how they look to me through, you know, the viewfinder or just in my mind or whatever. And so those instincts kind of start shaping that. And yeah, as you go along, like you start to feel different about things, you learn different things and it does, it evolves over time. But I think generally, if you, you know, you, you listen to your own instincts and that's where your visual style will end up coming from. Totally agree. That with that influence that I spoke about a second ago, uh, kind of helps mold that also criticism and comments from others. Like, if you showed someone something else and they're like, oh, that's amazing, that's cool, or I don't like what you did here, take right. that as good positive feedback, whether it's implied negatively or not, Absolutely. and adjust adjust accordingly. And just don't get me wrong, not everyone's going to agree with everything you do, and you don't have to take that. But if it's a good comment or a bad comment that you think you should adjust, you know, just adjust accordingly. And I think that that could really help shape your visual style. Totally, totally. I mean, we've talked about it so many times before about uh, one of the keys to success is really just getting over yourself and being able to listen to criticism. And even if, and that was yeah. a really good point, even if it's something that maybe is shot at you negatively, don't let that shut you down from like, at least listening to it. You might completely disagree, but, um, and, and I think that's one of the things that's so hard is to be able to listen to somebody being super negative about your work and try and take something positive from that. But uh, again, yeah. we've, we've said it a million times, but like, that's just one of the big keys to success is just be able to weed through the criticism and listen to it and take what, what can benefit you from it. Yeah. And don't be afraid after two or three years of doing something that you've just seen multiple styles and you can't really 
pinpoint your visual style because maybe your style isn't a certain visual style and maybe you you're very good at storytelling and manipulating your style to go with whatever story you're telling and that's also not a bad thing but I guarantee you if you look back 10 years from all of that diff that different work I guarantee you, you're going to still find some similarities in your work, whether it is framing totally. or the story itself. There's a there's a lot of different uh, physical things that come in uh, to help create a visual style. Obviously, we got to tell the story correctly, and that's going to differentiate from a music video to a corporate video. Those are going right. to be completely different. They things. call for di- they call for uh, different stuff. Yeah. They call for different things, and the message needs to be clearer in one, whereas a music video, they can be much more visually appealing. But I want to talk about you know a, the camera itself makes can create the story the camera lens definitely helps create the story 1000 percent, yeah absolutely. camera lenses are so important because they help change the perception of what the director is wanting to show the audience you know something wide in your face is going to look very wild and not natural uh mm-hmm. whereas uh, an anamorphic lens at nighttime is going to be very much more moody and it's going to reflect lights differently or have using like a long lens can make things seem very like crowded or you know yeah yeah totally. yeah very much compressed yeah very compressed with like a longer lens and you know you we talked about kind of guerrilla style like handheld yeah. uh, a second ago that's a different style than on a gimbal and, and a slider and you know for a horror movie we might run with it in our hands whereas right. with a like a mission impossible style scene we might have it on a gimbal right so right there's just little things that and little tedious steps and processes that can help that visual style come to life yeah. um, and then that flows all the way into post-production uh, with sound effects and music your and cuts color. and your color cr- yeah. yeah, color correction, yeah. like we've just touched on. I mean, I think these are all things that play across in the visual style. And you you spend a lot of time in the post production room. Yeah. So, what do you kind of feel is some of the more I don't I hate to use the word moody because I think of like right. very dark blacks and stuff. But what are some of the things that you've been able to uh, apply to your edits that have helped you kind of create your style? And then I'll go into naming yours in a second as well. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with with post-production, I think the thing that still blows my mind the most is, you know, everything we shoot anymore is is in a log format, right? So it's very muted colors, like the very low contrast, because that gives you the most flexibility, right? And even like, as long as I've been doing this, uh, like I usually I'll edit everything first. And it's, you know, the the typical way to do it, you know, you edit everything first, and then color is one of the kind of the last things you do. And I've gotten so used to looking at flat footage, that after I color it, and I turn it back off, it still kind of blows my mind uh, how different it is, how like how much just having um, better contrast, bigger colors, you know, better, you know, darker blacks and brighter whites, how much it actually helps the information sink into your brain. Uh, the sharpness of it almost actually helps your brain absorb the information that you're getting. It's very it's very strange, but just the longer I've done this, the more I've realized that it actually makes a difference. Do you use LUTs much to like and do, do you adjust the LUTs? Obviously, when I say a LUT, I don't mean you just slap it on and it's good. You always right. have to adjust uh, that according to what you're shooting. But do you ever use LUTs to make it feel a little bit extra moody or? or sure. Well, like I mean. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't necessarily say LUTs um, because I don't, I don't tend to use many uh, presets when I color. Um, I, I usually I'll start from scratch and I'll kind of design the the language of color and contrast and stuff like that, my, you know, for each particular thing. But uh, I don't, yeah, I don't tend to use many like pre-programmed LUTs, but I guess I do create kind of my own, you know, not actual, but my own LUT that I, I use for any particular project. So like, you know, for paper cutter. You know, uh, and, and I didn't do the color on that one. Uh, Trent Powelson, our rad colorist, did that. Um, shout out, was, Trent. Yeah, shout out for Trent for sure. Um, can't wait to use him again on uh, 
on jump seat too. That'd be cool. For sure. I know he he's gotten part of so it. he he's been doing a lot of work too lately. So he's been getting like consistent work, which is great to see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so but on paper cutter, it was really fun to sit with him and kind of go through, you know, on a couple shots um and figure out kind of what we wanted the the look to be for each scene and then see him kind of apply that across like the rest of those scenes. Yeah. And then I've noticed sometimes too, like when I'm coloring something log you'll color it and you might think it's too much and then you leave it and then you go back and you've looked at it for so long and then you click the color off and you, it goes back to log just to see it and it's just insane the difference that it makes. It is. It's, it, it can be kind of mind-blowing sometimes. You just forget how much of a difference it makes. It's pretty wild. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to name uh, the three of your things, but one thing I was going to say that I did for my YouTube videos because I'm, I'm not super big into YouTube, but I have been finding some, some free time with everything going on to kind of apply more um, time into YouTube. So one thing I did was I made like a 15 second slate and that was very much like my visual style, yeah, like flashy, yeah. quick, like had totally. cool shots, some of my best of shots. And I put that now at the front or the fr within the first you know minute of every YouTube video now. And what that does is if it's someone new who hasn't doesn't know who I am or is on my my page watching a video, they'll see that little short 15 second slate. And then that kind of just helps describe me as a, totally. you know, as a filmmaker and um, kind of just expresses who I am in a very quick manner. Um, so I guess my point of that is it's not it doesn't always come in long form. You can right. do little short snippets. Totally. and apply them to other videos that it kind of describes yourself and then you kind of get a, a feel of, of who this person is. Dude, you know what's a pain sometimes? Hmm, you tell. Hauling huge lights onto set. Oh yeah, that's like the worst. Yeah, I've tried more compact lights, but they just don't cut it when it comes to rendering true color. Plus, they're never bright enough. Mm -mm, never. But one day, a buddy of mine from the snowboard industry asked me to check out these new lights called Lytra, oh. which promised to solve exactly that problem. They're compact, yet powerful, and with professional-grade color rendering. Nice. Nice. Now Lytra is pretty much all I ever bring to set. Compact, powerful, bicolor, RGB, Bluetooth controlled, rugged, waterproofed, you name it, Lytra's it. That's a whole bunch of stuff. That sounds great. So you should visit our Lytra link in the description below and receive 15% off your next order from Lytra.com. I promise you these lights will completely change your approach to photo and video lighting. All right, man, I'm going to hold you to it. All right, Aaron, I'm going to now name your style in three different words. Uh, I want to start off by saying it's always solid. It's consistent, which is different from solid, believe it or not. And it's full of story. So do you agree with that? And I can I can kind of touch on on what I'm talking about. When I say solid, it always delivers. There's never a bad edit. When I say consistent, that too. However, it's consecutively your visual style is represented in all of your work. And maybe that's because I see you do a lot of brand work right, and right. then a couple of short films. So that's very, it's very consistent. And then it's always full of stories. So whether it's brand driven or product driven, you make sure the focus is on whatever the focus needs to be on. Whether it's a short film and it's a human, it's their story, it's on them. Whether it's a tangible product, it's on that. So uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, and yeah, I appreciate that that's how you would describe it. I do, I do try to be very, very consistent. I think consistency is especially in post-production is, is very important. And I think a lot of that comes from like, I have, I have process, you know, process is process is a big deal for post-production. You need to have a good process, one that works for you and one that gets you the results that you want. And so I have a process that I've been following for a long time. And so that's probably the, 
the consistency is probably a result of that. So that, that makes me happy. Um, cool. As far as a, uh, it being full of story like that, that's probably the biggest actual, I would say compliment to me because story, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm an editor. I think even before that I would consider myself a writer. So story matters a lot. Like I said, whether it's a, about a product, you know, whether the story of this product is like how it was created or how it works or whatever, like making sure that, yeah, that's the focus of the video at that particular time. Like if that's what, you know, if there's narration, if that's what they're talking about, that's what you need to show. So like story is what like you can have pretty pictures all the time, but if it doesn't have a story element in it, it kind of doesn't matter. Right. Right. Totally. Or, or like in film, which, you know, is, is more my love than, than anything, making sure every single frame tell some sort of story and, and, and how you manipulate your visual language to, to do that. Like whether it's, you know, very emotional close up stuff, which it tends to be a lot of what I, what I like to do. I like close ups a lot. Um, especially for, and I think because it close ups tell so much story, you know, close on faces, yep. just have, you know, think about daily and paper cutter, like every, every close up of him just says so much. And I mean, most of the credit goes to him for that, of course, but, um, but close up can just reveal so much about story or, you know, or wide shots just kind of set up, you know, where they are. And when do you show that wide shot? When do you want to like parse out the information? And that goes with product stuff as well, or for any other kind of client works. Like how are you parsing out the information? When are you revealing certain things? You know, a lot of times if it's a, you know, a video for a client when they're just talking about like their company, you know, even if it's for a real estate person, something like that, it can start out with just interview and they're just kind of relaying a personal story. And then boom, you, you cut to show, you know, their office space or what they've become because of that thing. So every decision you make has an, has an effect on the story. So yeah, you get that, you mix that, that story and you're directing in with my visual cues mm -hmm. and what, and we've talked about this before Our you know, we would talk about this prior to obviously production. I think when you get a mix of, and a good understanding of what the story needs to look like, feel like, and be presented as, there's no stopping the team. It's, it's only gonna, yeah. you know, it's only, it's only gonna come across as good as it should, yeah. as long as everyone's on the same page. I'm glad that you agree with that. I think that's very important. It, it complements a lot of what maybe the DP does, and I feel like whatever you know job you have as an editor or a director i think those are very fulfilling visual styles that you want to achieve is what i should say there what is your process of those steps then with consistency and and being able to run those all across the board um with visual style in uh color correction and having a solid mm -hmm. foundation of the work you're presenting what is your process like for that and how can you help the listener find their own visual style yeah. So I think your visual language, you know, it, it comes from instinct. It's how you, you know, you kind of see the world is how you believe the world should be perceived. And that also applies to how you think, you know, if you're doing a, a product, like I said, if it's something, you know, technology based, a lot of times you want the feeling of technology to be, cause it's a technology a lot, is a lot about our user experience, you know, like things to be clean, simple, not complicated. And so the visual style will reflect that, right? So if I'm doing something that's, you know, uh, we shot some stuff, there's like a Google Home, you know, it's this nice white kind of modular looking thing, right? The background's kind of white. Like, I'm not going to just suddenly start throwing like, you know, dark corners and blues in there and stuff like that, right? You're gonna use the simplicity of the frame, the simplicity of white and the and the lines uh, to, to to give the feeling that, that you think it should have. So, you know, uh, bumping up the contrast. So like the few bits of like black lines you have really kind of pop out at you, right? You're not going to muddy it up with other stuff. Yeah, I think like clean, like for that visual style, specifically what you're talking about, I think the goal is is open and clean and airy feeling. Yeah, totally. Um, not a sterile feeling like a doctor's office, but rather 
inviting and 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 those inviting colors and you start realizing these as you work more in production but big white open areas are inviting whereas darker moodier areas might feel like they're not whether you feel totally. that way or not um visually that's how your brain interprets them from your yeah. eyeballs <laughs> yeah inviting or like uh kind of way it feels to me is also like complicated versus uncomplicated like that's an uncomplicated space it's inviting you can kind of come in there you have like a darker space i even think about we you know we did some stuff uh for like was it diderio uh promark and evans and you know it was all musicians and it was in a studio and like that was like it's actually yeah Yeah. kind of kind of a complicated space but you know what music is complicated artists i think pride themselves when they're able to do something uh like uh, musicians not just just artists but pride themselves when they're able to do something that's complicated. So like the complicated visual style for that actually kind of works using the darkness, using the moodiness. Totally agree with you. Um, but at the same time, keeping the focus on the product, right? Because right. we were doing uh, guitar strings and drumsticks from Promark and we were doing Evan's heads. Um, right. But everything was backlit, sharp, kind of goldy light, more of like almost like concert style lighting. Yeah. yeah. Um, not a lot of, not a lot of colors, maybe like a blue in the studio space where they were interviewing each other. Um, the goal there, just highlighting the product and, but feeling edgy and moody at the same time as a musician. Um, yeah. And I thought that actually turned out great. And and the other side of that too, actually is, um, the interviews that were done inside the, uh, the, the producer's booth, which was really cool because it had all like the equipment behind it with flashing lights and different colored lights and very technology feel in there. Uh, which was cool. Yeah, a lot of the amps, a lot of the meters were going and things like yeah. that um, on the on the tubes. And I think if you can play that towards the audience and make that feel like a natural space, uh, it's, it's almost like they were just sitting in there, right? We wouldn't want to move those things out of the way because they were ugly. Right. We wanted to use those things, whether they were a little bit distracting or not. Right. Um, I felt like I felt like everything came together nicely for that and, and made a very, to your example, very moody but on point edit. I want to go back really quickly to something you said um, that I want to expand on. You're talking about how sometimes, and I think this kind of play, this kind of uh, fits with what we were just talking about. Um, sometimes you don't necessarily have like this distinct visual style of your own. Sometimes your style is being able to be kind of a chameleon, right, with what you need, uh, with what you need to shoot. And that makes me think right. about how successful you can actually be doing that. It makes me think about, you know, there's artists you know like quentin tarantino or martin scorsese that have their own like super distinct visual style like you know what you're getting into with one of them but then you have like tv directors who have these long big amazing careers but they have to adapt their visual style to the show that they're working on right like there's there's directors that have you know they've directed episodes for both you know breaking bad and game of thrones couldn't possibly be any more different in terms of visual style um and so being able to adapt your visual style to the individual project is, is a huge deal. And that should definitely not like, uh, you know, go without being talked about because it's not all about not everything, you know, not everything we do. Like I have, you know, the style that I like to see for my short films, but then the style for product stuff is completely different and product stuff should not look like, uh, our movies, you know, (laughs) it just, it it won't work. And so, um, so I, I think, I think everybody has probably a couple different visual styles, you know, for, for each different thing that they do. Yeah. I think they differentiate across the board. And again, going to your point about being the kind of the chameleon, I think that there is 
something very important about that. Uh, think of the Mandalorian season one. Think about how yeah. many directors they had. Think about yeah. how all of those, how different all of those episodes look. I think whether there are seven or eight episodes, were there eight? I think there are eight. They looked fairly similar. Like the, yeah. the color and the mood was very much the same. And it was very much an exploration through uh, where they were going. Right. And, and trying yeah. to find, I'm not going to give anything away, but, um, but you once you get into the behind the scenes, uh, it's called the gallery on Disney Plus. There, yeah. there's these different part episodes talking about um, practical effects, directing uh, the care, the cast. The there's all kinds of these really cool techniques and things that they talk about, and, and these different uh, subjects within production, and they're all different, very individualized, different people. There's yeah. There's uh, two women. There's three guys. They all come from different backgrounds. One came from short film. One came from narrative. She comes yeah. from sitcoms, you know, and right. they were able to apply all of their visual styles to The Mandalorian season one. And I thought that was one of the best things John Favreau could have done was totally. let's tell let's tell season one in eight different ways. You yeah. know what I mean? Let's tell yeah, the yeah. story as different as possible. Let's see if it comes across that way. It didn't. Cause when I was, I knew that they were different directors as I was watching it, but everything felt very, um, like cohesive, unified. right? Yeah. Totally. Cohesive and unified. And I felt like, I felt like it worked out very well. I thought it was a very clever way to let these directors show their visual style. And I, if, if someone's having a hard time finding theirs or they're not sure what exactly we're talking about quite yet, I highly encourage you to go watch the Mandalorian season one on Disney plus star Wars. Totally. It's very, it's very cool. Totally. Cause yeah, a lot, a lot of, a lot of the thing that makes our visual style, like, yes, we listen to our instincts, but, um, it's also because of influences and you, you, and you touched on that a little bit as well. Like you, mm-hmm. you, you mostly come about it through yourself, but, but a lot of your instincts can be formed by things that you like. So uh, again, yeah. you know, one of my favorite directors is uh, Nicholas Winding Refn, the guy that directed Drive and uh, Only God Forgives. And like, I, I love his style. I didn't start out doing this kind of thing with a style that's uh, lots of bright neon lights and stuff like that. Only kind of when I started watching his movies, did that become a thing that that, that appealed to me? And so mine changed yeah. over time based on that influence. Earlier on, my influences would be more like um, like like Martin Scorsese or or um, Quentin Tarantino. So, like I said, you know, like especially like Reservoir Dogs, you know, grittier looking, you know, grainy footage, a little bit darker, you know, a little bit rougher around the edges. And as it's gone on, based on different directors and cinematographers that I like, it's just changed a little bit. Like I I want stuff a little bit cleaner now, a little more colorful. And so, like, yeah, yeah your, your 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 influences do do make a difference for sure. Yeah, and 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 to be fair, your influences, the people that you're influenced by, are also changing their style, and they're always being influenced. Totally. Think of going going back to John Favreau. He also did Elf. That was one of his first oh, yeah. movies. Remember Elf with, oh, yeah. and that was a comedy, you know, and and it's that slapstick style. Vince Vaughn, Will Ferrell. Vince Vaughn's not in it, but uh, Vince Vaughn and uh, John Favreau worked together a lot, especially in the early days. And there's a lot of, (laughs) yeah, swingers. And then, you know, Four Christmases, they were in that together. They were actually brothers in that. Uh, Very funny movie. If you haven't seen that, great for holidays. Anyways, um, he has this style that was was made for Elf, right? And then he did Chef, which is a little more serious. And then he did freaking Iron Man. Chef's great. He did Iron Man, dude. Like, you you forget that he did uh, Iron Man, and then he moved on to The Mandalorian. And if you look at his progress, 
he adapted he you can see his visual style across all boards mm-hmm. but they fit the genre of the film yeah like uh, again i'll go back to to one of my biggest influences which is quentin tarantino you know the yeah. reservoir dogs like I said very gritty shot on you know film in like one warehouse um and then you fast forward a couple movies and you get to kill bill and it like i remember going to it's completely different story same sort of thing i guess like maybe that's actually where my fascination with brighter colors actually started because it's a very bright movie at the end there's the scene i think it's called like showdown at the house of blue leaves or something like that and for the last half of this fight like, they're just in this one room and like somebody literally in the movie goes over and turns off a light switch and um <laughs> and all the lights go out and then a blue background comes up behind them and they do it they, this part of this fight is all completely done in silhouette against a bright blue background nothing like anything he'd ever done before that you know right and so yeah. like, and, and so it's even not only do people change their visual style i think it's good to let it evolve i think you should yeah well and break break the rules evolve a little bit think about um all the jump cuts in once upon a time in hollywood from him yeah yeah and do you remember when that's i remember watching that in theater while that's happening and my brain was so disconnected and discombobulated because it had never seen something like that on purpose Right. You know, unless it was called out later. But guess what I came back with? That's Quentin Tarantino for you. That's Quentin Tarantino for you. And me saying that, that is basically my brain accepting his visual style for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So whether you realize that or not, you just, oh, that's Quentin Tarantino for you. Well, that's 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 a Tarantino film. You know, those are the things that we say, maybe even if we don't realize it, but those are the visual styles that we're talking about. And that's what sets him apart from the others and that yeah. is also why he was nominated for so many oscars this year and, and yeah. things like that and um it, it's just it's one of those things that can be overlooked and but it's still something that needs to be appreciated absolutely yeah because in like when when a when somebody's career is still going on and they may do something new and you're like well that's not his style well guess what like your style isn't ever complete until you've stopped making stuff like For you can sure. only look back and say like, this is what the style ended up being, but you can't yep. say at any given point, like this is just, this is my style because it'll yeah. change. And at the end, you'll be able to look back and say like, this is what the style ended up being. Totally agree. And that's kind of why I mentioned earlier, uh, it's ever evolving and, and you sometimes got to take, you know, 10 steps back and look at, look at an overarching example of all of your work put together yeah and if still if and then you can say this is this is what i've i tend to do a lot of this or a lot of this and whether you realize it uh while on set or not or when that production or that process is finished once you take a few steps back you really start to to see your visual style so yeah and i think it's actually in the end i've realized it's so much fun to be able to step back and like look at your own stuff and kind of look at things side by side like uh, maybe this is partially me because I'm like kind of a, have a collector sort of mindset. I love seeing like I have a page on on my uh, on my website that just has like our short films, and it just yeah. seeing them all kind of next to each other and realizing like this is like my body of work so far is incredibly satisfying to me, you know. And so you know I I I really I really liked this episode because visuals are the reason that any of us wanted to do this in the first place. I mean, for being such a surface level thing literally everything you do before that is just to get to that visual point because that's the, yep. that's the product in the end is the visuals. The first thing that struck me about, you know, a movie way back in the day or whatever, wasn't necessarily just a production design or, you know, the, the script coordinator or necessarily even story. It's the visuals are what strike you. 
And even when you're yep. a little kid before you can understand words, it's the visuals that strike you. And so in the end, like the visuals are why we do this. And that's why it's so much fun to talk about this. Absolutely. I totally agree. I, as soon as you were saying that and you, you were saying, looking back at it, like films back in the day, I thought of John Carpenter's Halloween when he's underneath yeah. the the uh, mask and you see the two eyes. That scene can't be done with words, no. right? Like the feeling you no. get from being behind his mask, uh, stalking somebody to murder them. Like you can't just do that with with words. Not in the same way you can with visuals, you know. Yep. Um, yeah. So it's like it's it's have a you, unique thing. Absolutely. And I'll wrap it up after this. But have you seen the behind the scenes photo of that? how that got done. It's just a little mask clipped onto a mat box. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I feel like you actually like sent me a post on Instagram like a while back with that exact thing. Yeah. 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 That had a lot of influence on me at an early age. I just remember thinking like, wow, I I feel as if I'm, I'm him, you know? And that's obviously that was the goal from, from John. Um, But I think uh, this was fun, man. I miss you. It's been, I haven't seen you in a month. um, Yeah. I know. We're doing this remote again. So we're like uh, across the country from each other now. This is the furthest uh, distance we've had to do this. Yeah, we're still uh, have our temporary mics yeah, and yeah. <laughs> sound design right now. Um, the, la- the last episode was the same way. Uh, we have a lot of really cool stuff in the works for the Take 43 podcast. Um, yeah. Some other companies getting involved and some big things are happening behind the scenes. A little too early to fully go into uh, yeah. details there, but I'm really, really excited. And if possible, get on iTunes, leave us a review and a five-star rating if you like it. That helps us out tremendously. Give yeah. us a follow on Spotify. We're also available on multiple other platforms. Yeah, at the same time, you know, we'd love to hear from you guys. If you have thoughts or opinions about what we talked about, um, please send them to us. Uh and, you know, if you want to send us some of your work, like we love to see other people's stuff as well. Um, and then also, I believe we have in the description, you know, some of our our, uh, our social profiles, you know, follow us on there if you want to. Uh, but we just appreciate you guys listening. Like we have a ton of fun doing this and we hope you guys do, too. Yeah, this is a lot of fun for us. I hope you guys are having fun, too. Check out all the links in our description. We have uh, Epidemic Sound coupon codes. I have Elytra Gear coupon codes if you want to check those out and get any gear at a discount. Uh, we just want to be in contact with you guys, learn from you, and hopefully you can learn from us. So again, this was the Take 43 podcast, episode 11, and I'm super excited that we got this one knocked out of the park. We have a lot more in store for you guys. Be nice to each other. Stay safe out there. But again, be nice to each other. Absolutely. We'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.